without any other PM curve. Does everyone have the place? Everyone has a sticky note? Yes. Okay, so we, as we mentioned, we went through the order of what's going on. Chapter one is the most uh, detailed chapter with different topics going on. We started off with the opening verse of Adam Kiyakra Bikim, the second verse in Vayikra, which is detailing where Hashem um, reveals himself to Moshe and commands him to command the Jewish people to give korbanot, right? And we ask three questions um, on the grammar and on the wording and the order of that pasuk. And then we said in order to understand, in order to answer those questions, which we'll do in chapter two, we first need to understand a little bit about the godly soul and the animal soul and how we're able to use both of them to make them into a korban for Hashem, right? We said korban is a sacrifice, right? To transform the animal, that's referring to the animal soul. And karov, to come close, that's referring to the godly soul, which doesn't need to be changed, it just needs to be um, brought close. So, so far we mainly focused on the godly soul, we discussed the source of the godly soul, we discussed the idea of why it mirrors God, right? It's referred to by the term Adam, like Adamele Elion. Our godly soul mirrors God as he expresses himself in the world of Atsilot, as he expresses himself in a contained form. And that's why our godly soul is in a constant state of selflessness, right? It's always calm, it's never worried about anything, and it is transcendent, it cares about things that's beyond itself, etc. It's quiet as well, because we said there's no, no loud angels screaming and burning up in fiery flames in that zilot, everything's quiet. And then we started to discuss the godly soul, and uh, the animal soul. And one more thing, we said that the way that the godly soul comes down into the world is through what's called Pene Adam, okay? the face of man, and, which is referring to supernal man, Adam Helion. Okay? Now today we're going to discuss a little bit about the animal soul, although we already briefly discussed a bit of the characteristics, which are exactly the opposite of the godly soul. And we're going to try and understand how they're supposed to work together to be a korban to Hashem. How are these two complete whole souls with their own characteristics, their own source, and their own goals supposed to work together? So first a little bit about the animal soul. We, I think we read inside where the animal soul is sourced. We said that it's sourced and what's called, or on page seven. Thank you. So we said that it's sourced in what's called Shomrei Ha'afanim. That's the way that it comes down, which is the dregs, the sediment, the lowest of the low of the Ofanim. Ofanim are specifically angels, often means a wheel. They're all over the place, they're chaotic. Um, they are angels though, they are in a state of vital. But its ultimate source is what's called the Paneshor, or the faces of the animals on the Merkaba. Not the face of man, but the faces of the animals. Specifically it mentions in the beginning the ox, but then later it says all of the animals. The ox, the eagle, and the lion. Basically, the reason we call our animal soul the animal soul is because it's sourced in the angels which are represented by different animals, which have animalistic characteristics, so to speak. Up in very, very high source, all the way up in the Merkaba. And what do we know about animals? Well, animals, as they come all the way, all the way down here, they're, they're uh, short-sighted, as we said, right? They're pretty selfish. They don't care about anything except something immediate. They're worried. It says specifically about um, the snake. I don't remember who says this, but um, the snake was cursed. After, the snake used to walk, walk upright, mm -hmm. right? Like man which means that its mind was above its, its instincts. It was very smart. 
but its punishment was that its arms and legs were cut off and it has to sliver on the earth. And, and, it's, and it says specifically, what's the snake's punishment? That it has to eat earth. And you can ask the question, that's not a punishment. That means that the snake always knows where it's food. Like, always knows it's going to have food. All the other animals are always looking for food. The snake always has food. But what's the answer? The snake always has food. But it's always worrying what happens if all of the earth run all of the earth on the earth, all of the dust runs out. What if I'm not going to have anything to eat? That's the state of the snake. That's the state of the animal soul. It's always worried. But in its source up on high, why is it called an animal? Because it's very, very passionate. It's extremely passionate. It's loud. And it's a little bit more, I guess we can call single focused. The animal soul is very integrated, as we said. Um, but the orphanium, as we said, they're, they're kind of scattered. Um, but the main difference is that it's very, very passionate. That's why it's called an animal, because it's very, very passionate. And the Adam is very, is very quiet, but the animal soul is very passionate. And the animals that are on the Merkava, right, the face of the ox, the face of the lion, the face of the eagle, they're called, they're on the Merkava, which means sure. that they are on the chariot, which means that they're in a constant state of battle, right? Why do we call it a chariot? Because the chariot has no will of its own. It's completely led by the rider. So to these animals, as much as they're called the faces of animals, because they have certain animalistic, so to speak, characteristics, they're in a complete state of bittle. And our animal soul, in its source, was in a complete state of bittle to Hashem. And so, as we're going to see, the goal is to remind the animal soul where it came from. Yes, you have these tendencies. Yes, you have these characteristics. And we're not going to cut you off and blunt your passion, but we're going to redirect it to its original source of passion, which was for Hashem. So that's what we'll see a little bit inside now. And then we're going to see the process. What's the process? How are we supposed to engage the animal soul into this discussion? How are we supposed to sacrifice our animal soul in a way that it's actually willing to be sacrificed? Because we know animals, they don't willingly go to be slaughtered, right? Except um, there was one animal that came willingly, which was the, the ayel, the ram by Akedas Yitzchak. Mm-hmm. It like came up to... Came up to Avram, right? And said, Check me. But every other time, we're dragging the animal, right? The animal doesn't, uh, in its nature, want to be sacrificed, even though it's obviously it's in, in its best interest. Um, so, how are we supposed to bring the animal so along for the ride? That's basically what we're going to be discussing today. But first, let's see a little bit about um, the animal soul. So, we've we read a little bit of page seven already inside. Where or? this is accomplished through the divine soul. That's what we said. Okay. Okay. So let's let's go back to page, the bottom of page six and just read this again. The source of the animal soul, and we'll continue from there. So the, just as a little reminder, the nefesh the animal soul, he nilkecha mishmarei haofanim. It's from the dregs of the ofanim angels. The shorsha, but its ultimate source. So it's it's brought down ultimately into our physical body through what's called Shomrei Alfanim, but its ultimate source is in the animals, which are the, on the faces of the animals, the angels on the Merkaba, okay, which is a super high level. The purpose of the godly soul descending down here is in order to bring clarity to the animal soul, not to kill the animal soul, not to destroy the animal soul, to bring clarity to the animal soul, to remind the animal soul about what it truly wants. And we do that in a way of reining it in and transforming it. And if we think about an animal, any animal, if you want to tame an animal, right, a wild horse, let's say, people used to have to like take horses from the wild and tame them and make them 
listen and obey instructions and take the person from place to place, the first thing you've got to do is rein it in, right? And then you can start to teach it how to be the host that you want to transform it so that it listens to you and it takes you places where you want to go. So that's the process of Iskafia. The first thing we've got to do when we want to, so to speak, transform our animal soul is not give in to it. That's the first thing. Iskafia means to bend it. I'm not giving in to, to your short-sightedness and to your worry and to your selfishness. That's the first step. And once we get that step out of the way, which is a lifelong thing, Iskafia, then we get to the point of Iskafia where we can transform the animal soul. Again, not destroy it, transform it, which basically means to redirect the passion that the animal soul has towards Hashem. So the next step, the next um, few paragraphs now, we're going to discuss the process of how we do that. And we see this process play out every single day in davening, because we know that in davening, that's when we're really trying to engage our animal soul and bring it on board, so that by the time we get to the Shema Yisrael, right, have you heard that we say, Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, V'yahavta et Hashem Elokecha, you need to love God, B'chol Levavcha, right? So you guys were here in the summer, what does it mean, B'chol Levavcha? With all your heart. And it should have said, what should it have said, instead of Levavcha? It says with all of your hearts. With all of your hearts, singular, right? How many hearts do we have? We have one heart. Behold, it should have said, Lev is a heart. Mm. And then you add the chaf. But it says, with two beds. Why? It's, it's plural. It's plural. It's why? Yes. Exactly, because we have two souls. And by the time we get to the Shema, which is like part of almost the peak of the davening, right? The Shema Yisra and the Shema, the peak of davening, we need to be in a place where we're loving Hashem with both of our souls, where our animal soul is on board. And that's already Ishaqa, right? That's the animal soul. It's loving God. It's redirected. It's rechanneled. How do we get to that point? How do we get to that point that our godly soul and our animal soul are together loving Hashem? So the mind is going to explain, and we'll read this inside in a moment, that we have what's called Birkat Kriyachma, the blessings of Kriyachma. It's a mitzvah deraisa to say Shema. It's a biblical commandment to say Shema twice a day. Uh, more so for men than women because it is a mitzvah shazman grama, but there are opinions that say for women as well. Um, and every time we have a mitzvah, we say a bracha before we do the mitzvah. But if a mitzvah is a verbal mitzvah, then you don't say a verbal bracha beforehand. You don't say, Asher Lagid right? Just like we don't before we, um, we tell the story over on Pesach, which is a commandment to tell over the story. We don't say, Lagid et right? Um, we don't make a bracha in that way, but we do say, and the reason is because you don't make a bracha on a verbal blessing, but we do have blessings that come before and blessings that come afterwards. But the blessings that become before and blessings that come afterwards are not speaking about loving God. They're not speaking about, um, sorry, they are speaking about loving God, but they're not speaking about the mitzvah, the command to say Shema. They're speaking about angels, and they're speaking about all different types of angels, and they're speaking about souls. And the reason is because we need to get the animal soul on board. So that by the time we are saying Shema, our animal soul means it. By the time we say, I love you, God, we're speaking with our whole being, not just with the half of us that automatically loves God, right? Not just pulling that part out, but actually taking the part of us that's resisting the love of God, that's resisting that which is transcendent, that's resisting that which is not in its own self-interest, and we're getting it on board. So the question is, how do we do that? And the Chachamim 
told us how we do that. How do we do that? We need to speak to the animal soul first. We need to have these blessings beforehand. We need to convince the animal soul that it's in its best interest to love God and to say the Shema and to serve God, right? And then the question is, well, how do we do that? So let's say you have a horse. You just got it from the wild. It was free. Has anyone seen Spirit? <laughs> that like old, I watched it as a kid. It's like the best. Where all the animals, all the horses, they're like free, and then one of them gets caught and has to be tamed, and it's very sad. Um, but that's what we're doing to our animal soul. It's free. It's just being itself. It's being an animal. It's not, it's not even doing anything wrong. It doesn't hate God. It just doesn't really care about God, right? Just like the horse. It doesn't hate people. It just doesn't care to take people from place to place where they want to go. It wants to be its own thing. So you're going out into the wild, you find a horse, you want this horse to do what you want it to do and to serve you and your purposes, right? And that means it needs to give up its own self-interest. So what are you going to do? How are you going to convince this horse that it needs to help you? So you're not going to sit the horse down, right? And start explaining how uh, it's really, really important that you have a horse because you really need to get to work because your wife really wants you to make some money because she really wants to, I don't know, renovate the kitchen. And um, so it's really, really important that you can stop like taking pictures out and showing the horse, you know, this is, this is where we need to go. This is, this is the, you know, it's very pretty. I think you'll enjoy it there. I think you should come along with me and you should be my horse. And it's not going to work. What's going to work? How do we get the horse to do what we want? Treats. With treats. With kindness. Well, if you've seen Spirit, it's not so, <laughs> not so kind. But with treat, we, what are we doing? We're speaking the language of the horse. We say, you like carrots, for example? You like treats? Here's a treat. When you do what I want, you're going to get a treat. You don't like when I hit you with a whip? Okay. So I'm not going to hit you with a whip when you listen to me. But when you don't listen to me, I'm going to hit you with a whip. You speak the language of the horse. The horse understands what's called carrots and sticks, right? Um, that's the way we get the horse to serve us and to serve our purpose, which ultimately you can say, well, you can say that that's ultimately what animals were created for. That's its purpose. That's really what it wants to do, um, because the purpose of that animals were created were to serve man. They weren't created for their own self-interest and their own point, right? They were created before man in order that they should be around by the time man comes, so man can use the animals, right? So that's the same thing that we got to do with our animal soul. We can't just go to our animal soul and say, so we're going to serve God. You're going to stop thinking about yourself. We're going to say Krishna. We're going to love God. Like, it just, <laughs> the animal soul is not going to say, I hate God. Don't talk to me. The animal's going to say, the animal soul is going to say, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? I don't care. Like, I just don't care. So we've got to get the animal soul to care. How do we get the animal soul to care? speaking the language of the animal soul and what does the animal soul care about above all else itself so we have got to convince the animal soul that it's good for him to serve god and if we don't do that we're not getting the animal soul on board i once heard um this idea Yossi, rabbi Yossi jacobson gave an example it's just like stuck in my head about a horse that you can't take a horse it's like taking a horse to the symphony and expecting the horse to sit down and enjoy like, that's what we're doing to our animal soul when we're saying, like, just sit, just concentrate. Like, love God. I love God. My godly soul loves God. Just love God. It's, we're speaking a completely different language. So, this part of the mimer is going to deal with 
the process of getting our animal soul on board in the service of Hashem and getting the animal soul to be a korban for Hashem to transform it. The first thing we've got to do is we've got to speak its language. We've got to explain to it that it's in its best interest. We see that play out during the Shema, and we see that inside in a moment, with the Birkat Krishna. What are we speaking about? We're speaking about the angels. We're speaking about how the angels are in a constant state of burning passion and love for Hashem. They're constantly blessing Hashem. They're working together to say Kadosh, 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 right? That Hashem Tzvakot. Why are we saying that? Because we're trying to remind the animal soul, this is where you come from. This is who you are. And this is what you really want. And it's actually in your best interest. And if you look, um, it doesn't mention this in the Mamre, but if you look at the davening that we say, um, the Psuke de Zimra, for example, all the blessings and praises we give Hashem, we're praising Hashem for the mountains and the snow and the beautiful world that we live in, and the trees, right, all the hodus that we say. We're praising Hashem for things that our animal soul cares about. But we need to get the animal soul on board. We need to speak its language, and we need to remind the animal soul that this is what it actually wants, that in its source, its passion was directed toward God, but as it came down to what's called the Shomri Afanim, all the way down into our physical body, as you can say, got lost in translation. And now it's passionately directed toward the things that it itself doesn't even care about. Okay? Okay on that? Any questions? Okay, so let's see that inside. And maybe we'll, we'll bring a little bit about this once we've read it more inside. And we let's just see when we will finish. Okay. We'll finish soon, chapter one. So page seven. So this is accomplished, right? Because we said the purpose of the godly soul coming down is to bring clarity to the animal soul. How do we do that? This is accomplished through the nefesh which is enclosed in the animal soul. They become enmeshed and connected one within the other. They're not two completely separate things. They're living together in one body. And what are we going to get the animal soul to do? When the godly soul contemplates on the fact that Hashem is one, the Kriyachma, when we say that there's nothing other than Hashem. And then, once we've proclaimed that, we can say that we can love Hashem with both of our hearts, right? With all of our hearts, with our godly soul and our animal soul. As it's explained, why does it say with two legs? Because it's referring to both of our inclinations, our divine inclination and our animalistic inclination. So the J, the word Lavavcha, heart, is usually spelled with one letter, the, which would be Livcha. It is spelled with a letter that twice to show us that it is referring to two different hearts, two sets of feelings, the feelings of the divine soul and the feelings of the animal soul. Both should come to love Hashem when the Jew thinks about Hashem's oneness while reciting the Shem. Ah, however, in order to get to such a lofty place, that our animal soul is proclaiming its love for Hashem, not only our godly soul, before we get to this level of our sages established, they initiated two blessings that we say before the Kriyachma, in order so we can properly fulfill the mitzvah of saying Shema. It is impossible to subdue and to conquer the spirit of the animal soul, under the spirit of the godly soul, the only way to do it is by going to the source of the animal soul. And as is explained in chapter 28 of Tanya, that both 
souls, our complete souls, our whole souls, and each one wants complete world domination, right? There's no, there's no United Nations in our body. Let's try and make peace between the two. Each one wants wouldn't complete. Work. Wouldn't work. <laughs> Just like it doesn't really work so well today, anyway. Um, each one wants complete control. Each one wants its purpose to be fulfilled. So the godly soul isn't willing to compromise whatsoever and say, okay, well, you know, maybe we'll let you do this, we'll let you do that. No, no, no. The godly soul wants to com complete control over the animal soul so that the animal soul, to the point that the animal soul wants what the godly soul wants. Problem is that the animal soul wants the same thing about the godly soul. It wants the godly soul to want what it wants so that it can use all of its faculties and powers to get its selfish desires. So how is the godly soul, godly soul supposed to, so to speak, conquer the animal soul? And the answer is by reminding the animal soul where it comes from. Shemakar chotzva, that its source, where it was, how do you say, you say, hewn chotzva. How do you, like, when you take rock out of rock, like you carve it? Hewn, chiseled, engraved, chiseled, hewn. The place where it was, where it was chiseled from. Where does it come from? It's from the holy animals that exist on the Merkava, which means animals, soul, but angels that are in, in a complete and utter state of Bittu Tashem. Kanei Arya, Kanei Shor, and Kanei Nesher. Are you confused? Mm. I'm just confused. Just confused. <laughs> okay. You lost me. At what point? Just after the uh, two Shemadas. Okay, so what we're, trying to, what we're trying to understand is how are we supposed to get the animal soul to serve Hashem, basically. Because as we've understood from this manner, it's not enough for just our godly soul to serve Hashem. Our animal soul needs to serve Hashem as well. And so we're explaining that we see from the process of davening, right, because at the Anshay Knesset HaKadola, they established the davening in a way that we can properly do our davening. People used to know how to do it on their own, but now they put certain things in place. And from what they put in place, we can learn about the process of getting our animal soul on board. Does that make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So we see in the davening that before we say Shema, we have the brachot, um, right? Et Shem HaKel HaMelech HaGadol. You can open up the siddha. You can see it in the siddha. Does anyone have one here? Let's see it inside. That there, there are very unique blessings that we say before Shema. They're called blessings because Shema is a mitzvah. Thank you. Yeah, let's open it up. Shema is a mitzvah, so we need to bless the Shema. But instead of saying, Asher Kedishon, when we suppose it's Al Kriyat Shema, we read blessings about angels. Let's see what we did in English here. Because we have the Shema, and before the Shema, here we have. Kadosh, 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 right? So. All exclaiming in Indonesian, all the angels are exclaiming in Indonesian with awe and declaring in reverence, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the Ofanim, right, which we said is how the, which is the lowest level of angels. And the Holy Chayot, which are higher level of angels, uh, with a mighty sound rise toward the Seraphim, which are an even higher level of angels, and facing them offer praise and say, Blessed be the glory of the Lord from its place. They chant sweet melodies to the blessed God. They utter hymns, hymns, and sing praises to the King and the living and eternal God. For he alone, exalted and holy, performs mighty deeds and makes new things, etc., etc., etc. Okay, all of the different 
blessings, the praises that the, that the angels say on a daily basis. <clears throat> okay, and then we speak a little bit about our soul. And the question is, what's the connection here between the Shema and the angels that are singing praises? And the answer is that our animal soul is sourced in these angels. And these angels are in a constant state of love and praise and nullification to Hashem. And so what we're saying, we're having a conversation with our animal soul. Throughout the whole davening, we're having a conversation with our animal soul because just like a teacher, let's say a teacher has one student, right? Like a, a tutor. And it's a kid, a little boy, and he's completely, just keeps zoning out. So if you want to teach, you got to just keep snapping the boy back into it, right? Like, okay, what? Look back here. Remember what we're talking about. That's what we're doing the whole davening. We're, we're reminding our we're animal soul, oh, wait, look back here. Concentrate, concentrate, come back, come back. And right before Shema, when we really want our animal soul to be on board and to experience the feeling of loving God, we speak to the animal soul. We say, listen, these angels are where you come from. This is who you really are. And these angels love God, and they praise God, and they care about God, and so should you. That's basically, that's basically what we're telling our animal soul and what the process is of the blessings of the Krishna. So that by the time we actually get to Krishna, the animal soul is concentrating, it's listening, and it actually feels an emotion pressure as well. But we can't get there by speaking the language of the godly soul, which is everything is God, there's nothing other than God, right? That's not what we're saying here. We're saying there are angels, and they have feelings, and they work together to praise Hashem because they love Hashem. And so the idea is that if we want to make a carbon, out of not only our godly soul, Karov, to bring it close, but also transform our animal soul, we need to speak the animal soul's language, and we need to remind the animal soul where it comes from. And the Shema does that? And the blessings before the Shema do that. Oh. So that by the time we get to the Shema, we don't have to do that anymore. The animal soul's in. It's all in. I love God too. I love God. Not only the half of me that's spiritual, but also the half of me that is... And it's physical, and it cares about physical things. So if you want to convince your animal soul to do anything, right, and we're always trying to work on ourselves and get closer to God, we can't ignore the fact that it's an animal. We can't start talking to it as if it's a human being. Because that's like going to the horse and saying, listen, buddy, I need you to get me to work. Please, will you do Like, It doesn't care about you, and it doesn't care about your work. It cares about itself. And so we need to be very, very honest with ourselves when we're trying to get closer toward God, when we're trying to work on ourselves. And it could be that you got a little bit lost when we started speaking about the Merkava again, right? Because it's like going very lofty again, something that's very hard to grasp. And there's a reason why it's brought down in many places. Don't learn about the Merkava, right? Because it's so, it's using such physical terms for such a spiritual thing, and it's very confusing to reconcile it. But the point is that there are angels that have faces of animals, that have characteristics of animals, but they are angels in a very lofty state, and that's where our animal soul comes from. Our animal soul doesn't come from, from dirt, and from dregs, and from things, and from ultimate clipper. That's Well, nothing really does. Everything comes from Hashem. But in a very present way, within the four worlds that we can start to conceive of, our animal soul, already there, up there, is in a state of love for Hashem. So when we speak about the source of the animal soul in the Merkava, we don't have to actually understand the Merkava to understand that our animal soul wants God in its source. Not the way it's been translated and come down into our body. Now it doesn't care. But we can make it care by reminding it about what it, where it came from and what it used to care about. Right? Um, just like 
if you want to start taking on certain things within yourself, you have to remind yourself, what are your values? What do you really care about, right? In order to really make change, we need to do the same thing with our animal soul. And the tachlis, the practical aspect of this, is that any time we want to get closer to God, we need to bring our animal soul on board. Otherwise, we're just bringing half of ourselves. We're cutting out our personality. We're cutting out who we really are. And that's not what God wants. But in order to do that, it's difficult because a half of us doesn't really care. We have to make it care. And in order to make it care, we have to speak its language. And that could look like you're lowering yourself, right? So many, so, so many, there's so many interesting ways to get ourselves to serve God. And many of them are very, very mundane, right? If you have to explain to somebody exactly the process of how you remember to keep the sakhlata, right? Um, it needs to be in a way that appeals to the animal side of yourself. Uh, because otherwise it's just not going to last. And you're just going to stop caring. And... That's the message of this part of the Maimar. Um, so when we say, that it's the source from where it, oh, see here it says the source from where it originates is in the holy um, animals. The idea is that our animal is sourced in a holy animal. It's sourced in a passionate being that cares and that puts all its passion to Hashem. And as it says here, which is a quote from, it says here, Priyat's Chaim, which is Kabbalah, I think, says here, The only way that you can sweeten things that are harsh is by going to its source. The only thing you can make something sweet that is not sweet is by going all the way to its source. For example, if somebody um, rebels against the king and now he has a harsh judgment on his head. The only way you can turn that judgment, harsh judgment, into kindness is if you go all the way to the person you insulted, all the way to the king. He's the only one who can actually revoke that and turn the judgment that's now on your head into something of a kindness. So too, if we want to sweeten the judgment of the animal soul, if we want to transform and make sweet that which is, so to speak, looks like it doesn't care about God, we have to go all the way back to its source. But to remind the animal soul that where it comes from. Let's read this in English. It might just help a little bit, maybe, with the, bit of the, the idea of the Merkava here. The name Chayot literally means lively creatures and usually refers to wild animals. Here it refers to angels that have tremendous liveliness and excitement in their connection to Hashem and are compared to a lion and ox in terms of their strength and energy in serving Hashem. So when Yechazkel and Yeshaya and Zechariah describe a lion and an ox, they didn't go up to these spiritual worlds and see a lion and an ox. They saw angels that displayed characteristics of what we know today down here as a lion and an ox. So these lively angels make up the Merkava of angels that are totally dedicated to Hashem, like the chariot to its rider. These are a higher level than the dregs of the Ophanim and the Ophanim angels and are the highest source for the animal soul in the created worlds. As we'll see from other Maimara, beyond the created worlds, the animal soul has an even higher source. But within the created worlds, at Silot, Priya, Yitzira, and Asiya, it's sourced in the highest levels of angels. The highest, highest level of angel is Adam Helion, where our godly soul is sourced. So our godly soul is sourced within the spiritual worlds in a higher place, granted. But our animal soul is supposed to be pretty high place too. In a place, in a set, set of angels that are completely given over and passionate and dedicated to Hashem. The Hine, and so through this process, Alideh through this, through contemplating on the source of the animal soul before Kriyachma, Nase Aliyah Gam Shalokit. We also elevate the godly soul. By bringing the animal soul on board, we elevate the godly soul. Alderech Lanachayos Nosos, as Akise, as is described. In the vision of um, in the vision of Yechezkel, these 
angels were lifting up what's called the Kiseya Kavod. Have you heard of the holy throne of Hashem, the Kiseya Kavod, where Hashem sits, where he rests in each world? So it's described that the angels are lifting up this Kisei. What does it mean they're lifting it up? They're actually giving an elevation to the source of the godly soul as well. And we see this by the fact that as we described, when we describe the characteristics of the godly soul, the godly soul is kind of, it's quiet, right? Mm -hmm. It's not very passionate, it's not very loud, which is why we don't hear it very much when we, when both, because both souls are always giving their opinions, but we usually hear the opinion of the animal soul much louder and much clearer and much more passionately. Because the animal soul is sourced in the brain and the brain is cold and the brain is quiet, unlike the heart, which is constantly pumping hot blood and making lots of noise. And so when we bring our animal soul on board to serve Hashem, we are teaching the godly soul how to be passionate about Hashem as well. And we're teaching what's the godly soul how to speak to run towards Hashem instead of like taking a slow paced, casual um, stroll towards serving Hashem and towards being carbon to Hashem. So there is, there affects an aliyah in the godly soul as well. So we said the purpose of the godly soul descending into this world is to create a clarity to the animal soul and bring the animal soul on board in serving Hashem. But then you can ask the famous question, why doesn't the godly soul just stay up there, right? It's much better off there. And the answer is no, it's not. Because when it comes down here and it lowers itself into a body and it works together with the animal soul, the animal soul's advantages become the godly soul's advantages and the godly soul gets raised up to an even higher place than it started out to an even higher place than it would have reached if it hadn't come down into this world and into this body. And so it's sent for the purpose of the sun. Exactly. So the godly soul lowers itself, works with the animal soul, in order that the animal soul can actually, as it says, that the animals, the angels, which are the animals of the Merkava, are lifting up the kisei. They're flying and they're holding it up. They're affecting an aliyah in the godly soul. And this can be explained, the process of it can be explained um, by explaining the idea of toe and tikkun. We've spoken about toe and tikkun before, right? So if you want to understand, like, okay, it's, uh, I always say it sounds nice, right? It sounds nice that the godly soul comes down and then it goes up. But how can you say that the animal soul, which, as we've explained, is from a lower source than the godly soul in the spiritual worlds, is raising up the godly soul? And the answer is because in its ultimate source, the animal soul is actually sourced in a higher place than the godly soul. Have we spoken about this idea before? Have, do you guys recall, have we spoken about this idea before, about Tohu and Tikkun? We touched on it. We touched on it. Okay, so... Sorry, really quickly, what is the Merkava? I didn't fully understand that. The Merkava is the... Uh, it's not a Shem in each world, it's the entourage of a Shem in each world. It's okay. all the angels and the souls and the spiritual beings that are surrounding Hashem, and there's one in every world, in Absolut, in Bria, in Yitzira, and in Asiyah. We have different prophets. Many, many, many prophets had visions of the spiritual worlds. Most of them focused on God within each, each one and didn't describe, as we say, didn't describe the furniture, didn't describe the whole entourage that, that um, Hashem was present within each world. But there were a few, um, there were a few prophets who did. Yechezkel is the famous one, and he describes the Merkava. And he says that there were four angels which are raising up this Kisiyah Kavod where Hashem, Hashem's Shekhinah presence rests. That was my question. Was that your question? Yeah. What's sitting on top? It's the Shekhinah. It's Hashem as he expresses himself in, in the limited world. way of that world. Okay. So there's a Merkava of every single world. There's an Adam, a in every world. And it gets 
it's a lower and lower and lower expression of Hashem as it comes down. And that's how the godly soul comes. It starts off in the Adam all the way up in the highest world. And then it gets a little bit more concealed in the Adam of the lower world and then the next world until it's ready to be packaged into the physical body of this world. Same things with the animal soul. It starts off in the, in the holy angels and animals that are in the highest of worlds. And then it comes down all the way to the lowest of angels, to the external part of the lowest of angels, and then it comes down into our physical body. So that's the process. So the Merkava is basically, I guess it's a better word that I'm not, the, I don't know, I guess entourage, I don't know. The, the, that which accompanies Hashem's presence and Shekhinah in each world. Okay. Okay. And it's different angels, etc. So, the next thing that I want to explain, I'm debating whether to explain, because it's not actually in the mimer. Um, I think I'm going to leave it. But basically, when we discuss, and I think we've touched on it before, and we're going to touch on it again before the end of the year. Because we always say this idea of Yerida Litzor Akhaliya, that the godly soul has to have a descent in order to have an ascent. But how does the animal soul give an ascent to the godly soul? We need to know for now is because in its ultimate source, the godly soul... The animal soul is sourced in an even higher place than the godly soul before the creation of the world. And therefore, when the animal soul returns to its full strength and power and is channeled to what Hashem, it can rise, it can lift up the godly soul to a place it couldn't have reached on its own. Okay? And if you want, you can read a little bit about the, in the English, about Toho and Tikkun. Um, tomorrow, we're going to start discussing the order by which we do this. So this is a very Avodah minor. This is a very practical mimer about serving God, right? Many of the mimer we learn are much more um, esoteric ideas, which we can then at the end kind of apply. But this is really what's called an avodah mimer, not a sefer mimer. And the altar is describing how we should serve Hashem and how we serve Hashem and make ourselves a carbon with both of our souls. The end, the, the, the chapter is going to end now with discussing the order. When we serve God, who starts? Who goes first? So when we learned Ani Dodi, we said, we have to go first. We start. But here we're going to say, what about somebody who just has this flash of insight, who suddenly gets his butt, wakes up one morning, and his animal soul starts caring about Hashem? What's that person to do with this inspiration? So that's what we're going to discuss next. And based on that, we're going to go into chapter two and I'll explain the mind. Okay. Thank you. Wonderful day. Does anyone have any questions or comments? Are we, we're going to learn, like, the difference between, like, are, are we, so we're supposed to access, like, we're supposed to access the highest level of our animal soul. 